And today, to grasp our passage fully and help fill out our understanding, I think it's helpful that we look at what I'm calling a parallel Old Testament passage where we see God act based upon the cries of His covenant people. One of the things we set out when we looked at this Revelation study, and it's from, uh, I got it's not original to me, but uh, someone said that too often when studying the book of Revelation, we don't go to the immediate context enough, and we don't go old enough. Well, today we're going to go all the way back to the book of Exodus. And we're going to see a parallel here that helps us broaden and strengthen our understanding of what's going to happen in Revelation 8. I say going to happen because it is something that still is yet to happen. But this will help us to understand it better and understand what's at the heart of it all is that God hears us. God hears our cries. God knows what our hearts want. God knows what's at the depth of our soul and the, uh, the, the cries of our heart. And He hears us and He answers us. And it's not always what we would expect or what we would want, but nonetheless, it is His perfect way of answering each and every one of us. And we see that in these two parallel passages. And we shouldn't be surprised that God acts this way, that He hears the cries of His people. This is what God does again and again for those who call out to Him. It's a, a phrase, a, a, a Hebrew phrase that we learned during our Christmas, um, during our Christmas um, series. It's the word chesed. It means loyal love. And it's the loyal love that God displays to those that He has a covenant relationship with. So let's take a look at an example from the book of Exodus first, and then get back to the book of Revelation in chapter 8. And so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. And in this passage, we find Moses before a vision of the Lord in a bush ablaze but is not burning up. We see Moses before the Lord, a vision of the Lord in a bush ablaze but is not burning up. God's people had been oppressed for 400 years and God had heard their cries. Listen to what it says, Moses, uh, Exodus chapter beginning in verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. And I know about their sufferings. And I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. In Revelation 8, 1, 
really all the way through 9.12, we see John before a vision of Jesus ablaze with his own glory in heaven. And Jesus' saints had been martyred and God heard their cries. In these two passages, we see three things that help us understand three things about God and his judgment on the oppressive rule and reign of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of this earth. And we see how he answers. Before we look at that, I want to look at Revelation 8. And last week we looked at verses 1, and we went all the way to verse 9. And so... I hope that you remember those passages. For sake of time, I'm just going to read the rest of it, 10 through 13. And if you would, uh, just follow along with me there. Revelation 8, 10 through 13. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star, blazing like a torch, fell from heaven. It fell on the third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and the third of the waters became Wormwood. That just means it's just bitter. It's a bitter root. That's what that means. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. I looked and heard an eagle flying high overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth, because of the remaining trumpet blasts that the three angels are about to sound. We see in these two passages, first Exodus and then Revelation, we see the people of God being oppressed by the kingdom of this world. At the, uh, at the time of the Egyptian rule, Egypt was no doubt one of, if not the largest kingdom of the world. The Pharaoh himself believed himself to be God. The people worshipped him as a God. He was not merely a king, but they worshipped him as God. It was, he was the representation of the one who was ruling at the highest level according to the world's standards. And that people, the Egyptian people, and that ruler were reigning over the, the Israelites and oppressing them in slavery. They've been in that oppression uh, and under that rule of Egypt for 400 years. Not all of that was oppressive, but most of it was. And God heard their cries. What we see, and this helps us to see about Revelation 8, you see, it's easy to look at Exodus because it's in the past, it's already happened, right? What is, what's the saying? Hindsight is always 2020. It's easy to see when we look on the past of how God worked and moved, and we understand that a lot easier because we see the whole picture. We see it all. It's harder to look at the present and the future because we don't know all the details. But in this case, in Revelation 8, we get to see a picture that mirrors something in the past. So my hope is by looking at the past and the pattern that is there and understanding that it is being used as a, a parallel, as, a, as an example, as this shadow of something else that was to come, it helps us to see more fully what's happening and what will happen in this Revelation 8 scene. 
And what we see in Revelation 8 is the very similar situation. The people of God had been martyred. You remember in Revelation chapter 6, the fifth seal, the people that had been martyred were underneath the throne, and they cried out, How long, O Lord, until we are avenged? How long, O Lord, until our blood is avenged? The rule and the reign of the kingdom of this earth, again rearing its head, had oppressed the people of God, and God heard their cries. He hears our cries. He hears your cries. What we see, number one, is the cries for help do not go unanswered by the Almighty. The cries for help do not go unanswered by the Almighty. In both instances, God heard the cries of his people being oppressed by the enemies of God and the kingdom of this world and the enemies of his kingdom, of God's kingdom. And God acts in his timing on behalf of the oppressed. Notice I said he acts in his timing, in his perfect timing. We oftentimes want God to act on our timetable. Last time I checked, I'm not God and neither are you. And it may be hard, it may be difficult, but it does not mean that God does not care and it does not mean that God does not hear. He does. He does answer and he will answer. But it will be in his timing. The Almighty hears us and hears our cries and will enact his vengeance against the ruler of this world and its kingdom. It's easier for us to look at Exodus chapter 3 and following and see the plagues that God sends on the, on the people of Egypt and spares the Israelites. It's easier for us to understand that and see that and realize what God is doing because we know the end result. They eventually did make it to the land of milk and honey, the promised land. And what we understand there helps us to fully understand Revelation 8 where we see that what God is doing is the thing he promised he would do all along. Take you and I, those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, ultimately to the promised land. You see, the promised land, the, the land that they took, uh, it took them a long time to get there, 40 plus years because they had been the disobedient in the wilderness. But the land that eventually got them to was merely a shadow of the promised land that you and I are promised. Heaven, the presence of God, the very presence of God in his kingdom, the, the, the ultimate land of milk and honey for you and I. Heaven. And so, friends, God still hears cries today for help. He will act in his timing, but I assure you, he hears you, loves you, and wants to minister to your soul. Continue to call out to him. It's not always in our timing or when we think it should be answered, but it is in his perfect timing. The second thing we see, we see the cries for help that do not go unanswered by the Almighty, and we also see the oppression against his kingdom is punished and will be punished. Pharaoh received a punishment. The kingdom of this world will be punished Oppression cannot continue without God's intervention. We see the same thing happening in Revelation 8. It's 
course, easier to see it in Exodus, but we see it here as well, where the plagues were sent upon the Egyptians, and we know them, there were ten of them, and uh, you know, we, we could look at every single one of them and, and, and remember those. The water turned to blood, the, the Nile River was turned to blood, the gnats, the locusts, the, uh, and the uh, famine, the ultimate um, uh, death angel coming. We see all those and we understand that that happened there. But what we see here in Revelation 8 in these trumpet blasts, are a reiteration of some of these things, kind of clumped into one. What do we see? First angel blew his trumpet, hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees burned up. Second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from heaven, and on the third, uh, it fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water, and they became bitter. You couldn't even drink them. The fourth of the angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. So the day was without light, and a third of the night. And so we see each one of these. We go on to see in, in chapter 9, all the way through the verse 12, we see locusts. We see these plagues being reiterated, reiterated again, helping us to understand that the same kind of thing is happening where God is rescuing his people out of the oppressive rule of the kingdom of this earth. There will be a punishment. Jesus is drawing in on the victory because people have cried out and he hears them the saints martyred under the throne of god cried out how long O lord and he's saying now not too much longer what's in his timing not our perception of when it should be done nonetheless punishment will take place punishment will come let me remind you that anything done in rebellion against the Almighty is worthy of punishment. Anything done in rebellion against the Almighty is worthy of punishment. What is sin except rebellion against God? Saying, I know a better way than you, God. My way is better, and it is what I need to do. You see... We must understand that it's not just the kingdom of this world that's worthy of the punishment of God. It's you and I as well because the Bible says all have sin. Romans 3.23, all have sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the punishment, the wages of sin, the punishment for sin is death. The punishment for rebellion is death. But thank God that verse doesn't end there. It says, but... The gift of God is eternal life through whom? Jesus. Through him and him alone. You see, every rebellion is worthy of punishment. However, however, Jesus made a way for our sins to be forgiven, for our punishment to be taken away. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners or we were still in rebellion against him, he died on the cross anyway. 
He died on the cross knowing I would rebel, knowing I would sin, knowing I deserved punishment, and he took the punishment himself. That blows my mind. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. We don't deserve that. Yet he gave it to us. He tarries even still. But what we cannot do is continue living in sin, just expecting a gracious God to just forgive you willy-nilly. Willy-nilly is actually in my notes, just so you know. I thought it was kind of funny. He will forgive when we confess when we turn, when we call on him, when we cry out to him, and he will listen because God hears our cries and he turns to those who are humble. But if we continue in sin, he takes that very seriously and we must be sure we are not continuing to rebel from him. The third thing we see here, there still remains an opportunity for people to cry out to God. We've already kind of talked about that just a moment ago. We've talked about this a little last week, but I want to look at this in the Old Testament. As I was preparing for this message, one commentary pointed out that these seven trumpet blasts in Revelation 8 are also indicative of the seven trumpet blasts that rang out in Jericho the seventh time the Israelites encircled the city. What happened? the walls of the oppressive kingdom fell down. That's what's happening here. The, the seven blasts of, of the angels of God, of God's punishment, is, is, is helping us to see that the, the, the world kingdom is falling at his, uh, at his blast, at these blasts as they rang out. It helps us to see by looking at Jericho. These trumpets here indicate a similar tumbling of the kingdom of this world. Destruction follows the trumpet blasts here as well as in Jericho. But, but, I remind you, someone was spared. Someone in the city of Jericho was spared. Someone you would never have guessed. A prostitute. Why was she spared? Why was Rahab spared in Jericho? She called out to God. She told the, the, the spies, please remember me and my family because I've realized that there is no other God like your God, the one you follow, and he's the only one that can help us. And so may we be protected. God heard the cries of a person in the midst of a kingdom that was destined for destruction, and God rescued her out of that. What a beautiful picture of you and me. What a, picture of, what a beautiful picture today if you are still in rebellion, still in your sin in this moment. There is a chance if you still have breath in your lungs for Jesus Christ to rescue you out of the kingdom of the power of this world and give life to you. That's what he does to all of us. 
The reason a prostitute was saved and her family was saved in the middle of Jericho is so that we could see and understand that no matter our sin, no matter our rebellion, no matter how heinous and grotesque it may be, there is still an opportunity for you to cry out to God on high, to Jesus Christ, and for him to rescue you of your sin and your rebellion and save you from the destruction to come. Blessed be the name of Christ. What a beautiful, amazing truth. Here in Revelation 8, there, there's a, still a chance for folks to cry out for redemption and salvation because he's only destroying a third of everything. There's still a chance for people to repent and turn to him. Today, through the blood of Jesus, the, the descendant of Rahab, we find salvation for ourselves. In Revelation, we spoke, uh, Revelation 8, we spoke last week of the limitation of his judgments. God restraining his wrath leaves room for repentance. Do not delay in crying out to this gracious, long-suffering God. He still displays his loving kindness for us to see it's his chesed, his loyal love. He still tarries, he still waits so that people can still turn to him. The warning will not always be sounding and we must do something with this information. How we respond matters. I want you to consider a quote from uh, Greg Bill in his shorter commentary on Revelation he says this, Many Christians think the events that happen in history are theologically or spiritually neutral. But in fact, Revelation says that they have divine purposes attached to them, which are relevant for unbelievers and believers. How one responds to such events is one indication of whether or not a person has a genuine saving relationship to God. Do Christians accept disastrous events as sent from God to refine their faith and cause them to draw even closer to Him? Or do they blame God and become hardened to Him? In the story of Exodus, we see that Pharaoh's heart was hardened at the revelation that God was going to make his, let His people go. What we must understand, and I think Spurgeon says it the best when he said, the same sun which melts wax hardens clay. And the same God which, the same gospel which melts some persons to repentance hardens others in their sins. It all comes down to how we respond. How we respond. The truth is on the table today. Will you see it and hear it? And will you cry out to the Savior? Today, Romans 10, 13 says, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God still hears the cries of people needing rescue. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, would you cry out to him today? Would you reach out to him today? God, we love you. We praise you. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Work in our lives. Change us, God. And help us to see, Lord, you still hear. You still love. There's still a way. You've made a way. Where there was no way. There was no reason for a way. But you gave yourself. You sacrificed and took the punishment 
we deserve so we wouldn't have to. Would you, God, rescue someone today out of the clutches of the dominion of this world and all that it wants to do against you and against us? And would you, in someone's life today, Lord, whose sin is in rebellion to you, God, would you bring them out just like you did at Rahab? Jesus Christ was born in the family line of Rahab. What, what an amazing thing that this person you rescued out of sin, out of rebellion, and out of a kingdom that represented the kingdom of this world, the very king of kings was born from that line. What a beautiful picture that none of us are too far from your redemption, from your salvation. And Lord, we understand that Revelation 8 tarries still because there are still people who need to trust you. Lord, would you help us to do that today? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand? And as you stand, we're going to sing. And if God is moving in your heart, you call out to him. We're going to sing. We cry holy. And so let's sing that together.